could do. Making a reveal. Making a reveal. Hello and welcome to the 78th episode of Rank and Review. I'm your host and random Canadian, Larry Parsons. This episode, Bad Trips 2, Road Rage, with Kevin Stiller. Kevin Stiller was with us last time we discussed Bad Trips, but it has been a good while since we've heard from him, so I'm thrilled to have him back on board. And in the interest of trying something new, this episode was partially recorded on an authentic road trip. So the sound kind of varies from the reviews a little bit, but I think it's of good quality. So I hope you guys enjoy this. We're going to look at all of the different dangers one can encounter on the highways and byways. As usual, you will encounter spoilers and harsh language. And as usual, you can find the show on Facebook. And on iTunes, you can visit the site at rankinreview.ca, and you can send me feedback at rankinreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. I would love to hear any feedback you have for me. Thank you guys so much for listening to episode 78, if you can believe that, of Rank and Review. So, uh, Noble Experiment, uh, for this, the 78th episode, I want to say, of Rank and Review. I may already have made my first cut. Uh, yeah, Kevin Stiller, uh, you haven't been on my show since episode, I want to say, 19. 18, 19, yeah, yeah. And, uh, maybe 18, maybe you're right. Uh, and we did Bad Trips, and what we're going to do today is Bad Trips 2, Road Rage. Yes. All the films that we're going to talk about... Uh, they have some sort of trip going on, maybe that's vague, but they definitely have to do with vehicles, driving places, collisions, calamity, and a lot of revenge in this. Oh, there is. A lot of revenge in this. So it's been a long hiatus. Yeah, two Uh, years. To celebrate your return, we're going to do this podcast on road trips while taking part in an actual, legit road trip. Honest to God, road trip. This is happening. Um, so, Kevin Stiller, welcome back to the podcast. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having it back. Yes. Um, this is finally the come to fruition. You'd wanted originally to review this movie, Joyride. Right, yeah. And then you picked a different list that didn't have Joyride. So I held this list for you. You did. And you then did. I gave it to you the movies and you had them for over a year. <laughs> and then randomly, like a week ago, you said, let's do it. I'm doing it, Larry. Let's make it happen. Finally. Do you remember why, other than Joyride, the, the road rage appeals to you? Well, I, I realize, well, I, I have, pr- since, since, uh, since my last podcast, I've, I've proven my, my road trip credentials. I, 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 I'm your man for, for bad trips, or not necessarily bad trips, but I, I'm, I'm, your, I'm your traveler. I'm, I'm the one who goes off the beaten path. Uh, since, this, since, the tr- since the last podcast, I went to Costa Rica. And uh, fell in with some natives. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. No. I. I. I, I uh, hit it off. And oh, this is a bad. What loud road we have. Loud road here. Let me get on the smoother part. Yeah. I. I, I uh, hit it off with some natives and. Uh, 
And uh, I said, oh, you know, I'm going to this town. They said, no, 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 you don't want to go there. You want to go here. In fact, we'll go with you. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay, sure. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, and I like, I like to think that I'm a good judge of character, but I'm also a good judge of boobs. Right. So when two girls in bikinis tell me they know where the beaches are, I kind of feel like I don't have a choice. They probably do. Then they do. <laughs> they did. Yeah, no, we, uh, th fortunately, this was not directed by Eli Roth. Right. Uh, so, yeah, so we ended up uh, going to, uh, to, the, uh, to the East Coast and uh, eating pot brownies and skinny dipping in the ocean. So it, that, it did actually work out fairly well. That sounds like a win. It was that a win. That sounds like an off-the-beaten-path adventure that yes. paid off in many ways. It did, it did. But again, if the world were slightly more sinister, I'd yeah. be that friend who shows up on Facebook. Uh, have you seen him? He, yeah. he, last he was seen was in Central America. He just last, disappeared. Last few photographs, he looked really happy. <laughs> he looked really happy, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. He could be in the white slave trade at this point. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Well, uh, yeah, this, these bad trips are a little bit different. Like I said, uh, they're all vehicular sort of themed. And in a way, I was thinking about, because I sort of, in order to catch up with you, marathoned a lot of these movies. It's sort of surprising that there isn't more movies that sort of prey on this fear. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that the only real competition as far as mortality rates <laughs> with uh, vehicle accidents is cancer. Yeah, right. Like, you are way more likely, like, to, they, they always joke about people like me that are scared of sharks. You're way more likely to be killed in the car on the way to the beach. Right. That is true to a ridiculous percentage. <laughs> like, yeah. we risk our lives as we go hurtling down this highway in this metal box. And uh, we kind of take it for granted. And it can go bad really quickly. And I think that that's sort of the fear that these movies can sort of prey upon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's what it sort of works for me. I'm, I'm lucky enough that I've never been in any super serious car accidents, but that's one of the benefits of going through my life not driving. That's true, yeah, yeah. Me, I've been pushing the limits a little bit. I've had a rollover or two, or well, a rollover and a near rollover, but uh, it's exciting. <laughs> so. I'm getting less and less excited about you driving now. Maybe maybe I should Oh, that hasn't <laughs> happened in months. Not months. <laughs> Well, I'm going to mention, unless there's something else you want to say in the introduction, I'm going to mention the movies we're going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, sure. And then we can get started on this noble experiment. Uh, from the 90s, we have a fairly forgotten thriller called Breakdown, starring Kurt Russell. Um, more recently, an equally forgotten thriller called Highwaymen, uh, made in Canada and with ah, uh, Colm Fiore. I was glad to see him there. Yeah, yeah uh, a, a strong Canadian talent that you see in a lot of movies. The much discussed and anticipated joyride. We're gonna finally, <laughs> finally get that happening. off your chest. Oh man, <laughs> it's been weighing on me so long. You've been wanting to talk about Steve Zahn for so long, and we're gonna finally do it. Um, we're gonna talk about the controversial Death Proof from Quentin Tarantino. This is his full cut of the movie. This is not the Grindhouse one half. This is the the, full the big monster. Yeah. We have the classic Australian uh, film, Mad Max, and we have sort of the Mad Max following in the footsteps, another Australian thriller called Roadkill. And uh, that's what we're doing for Road Rage, Bad Trips 2, with Kevin Stiller. Awesome. Let's do it. Let's give it. A leisurely cross-country trip. What did you do? I can't steer. An unexpected breakdown. Can you believe this? A 
helpful passerby. Folks all right? Our car broke down. I can give you a ride to Bell's, a little diner about five miles down the road. They got a pay phone. You call a tow truck. They just come in and haul you out. It could happen to anyone. Excuse me. I was supposed to meet my wife here. This is dark hair, about 5'5". Five, five. Doesn't ring a bell. I'm looking for my wife. Look, I don't know how to tell you this, but I've never seen you before in my life. As an unbelievable story. It was him. It was this truck. The police are doubtful. My first truck. No sign of a struggle. The locals are suspicious. Well, there's over 100,000 people go missing in this country every year. All vanishing without a trace. But he's not worried about the ones who think he's crazy. My wife did not leave me. He's worried about the ones who know he's telling the truth. You the fella looking for his wife? So, Breakdown. Um, this is directed by Jonathan Mosto. It was came out in 1997. It was actually part of a whole string of hits from Kurt Russell. Yeah. He was like a, a million dollar baby in the 90s. He just had hit after hit after hit. Universal Soldier, Executive Decision. Tango and Cash. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I, I said Universal Soldier. That was the one I was That's thinking of. Uh, uh, anyway, he, he, he just Soldier, actually. It was just called Soldier. Oh, okay. It was like this big budget science fiction movie, and he had like minimal dialogue throughout it. He just kicked ass. For some reason, un, not understood by Road anybody. Train. Road train. <laughs> yeah. We just went by a huge rig. Uh, for some reason, not understood by anyone, probably not even by him, <laughs> Kurt Russell went through a crazy hot streak in the 90s. Uh, this was part of those. I, I, I seem to remember it doing well. But like I said, it's not one of these movies that people are like still talking about. No, no. Breakdown. Anybody seen Breakdown? Yeah. Um, it's sort of headlined with Kurt Russell and Catherine well, Quinlan. Yeah, she's. I've been listening to your podcast lately, and she's she comes up a lot. Yeah, she's, she's she was a, Solid she's a busy actor, genre actress. She usually has supporting roles in lots of you know horror movies. I like to see her face. She's good. She's yes. good in it, uh, and she's got an interesting role to play here. It's not just the savior position where she is tied up and needs to be rescued. Uh, I think that there's a, a, an extra layer to this, which we can discuss. Mm-hmm. Um, Basically, this couple gets car trouble in the middle of nowhere, and veteran, late great character actor uh, J.T. Walsh, Walsh yes. shows up and asks, offers a helping hand, offers to call help for the vehicle and to give the wife a ride to the nearest station, and they would regroup there, and all would be well. Problem is, is that once he drives away with Kathleen Quinlan, that's the end of it. She disappears. She's kidnapped. And the deeper Kurt Russell looks into this, the more it feels like there is a conspiracy afoot to fuck with him, to extort him for money, and uh, the layers peel deeper and deeper. It's a familiar-sounding plot because it's a familiar premise, but I think the real strength of this movie is it really got my blood up. Yep. I got really fucking furious watching this movie. Yeah. And the sort of sort of stacking of indignities and and, yeah. and and the villains are just awful and I could not wait like I almost <laughs> wanted to skip ahead so that I could see justice be done <laughs> so I'm a fan of breakdown and I think I'm it's solid of, yeah I'm kind of surprised that it sort of disappeared off the radar so where do you land 
I, I thought it was a really solid movie. I mean, it, uh, well acted, well written, uh, well directed and shot. Uh, sorry, just gotta slow down here. Yeah, yeah, really solid. I, um, yeah, just, just, uh, wow, <laughs> I guess it is a little bit hard to ch walk and chew gum at the same time. We'll, uh, we'll find our group, it's all good. Yeah, um, it's, um, yeah, really solid and entertaining movie, and uh, kind of glad that I'd seen it, because I, I don't really even remember it coming out, but uh, it's one of those ones where... It's it's the it's the kind of horror that you you, you kind of forget about is it's it's real horror like real people doing real things like it's it's quite grounded yeah I mean it's uh, I mean it's not a situation probably that happens all the time although people go missing all the time but uh, but just just I forgot you might I've watched so many supernatural horrors and yeah. that kind of thing that I forgot just how great it is to watch a movie that's just grounded in reality and, and could happen and and I forgot actually that uh, that missing persons is is one of those things for me yeah that really gets under my skin it's it's not the most glamorous phobia uh, you know but I mean we talk about oh hey what's your fear oh sharks ha 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 oh zombies ha 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 no your greatest fear is your youngest child not coming Vanishing. home from school you know Vanishing. <laughs> that kind of thing yeah there you're right there's nothing implicitly supernatural to be found anywhere in this movie yeah and it's quite frightening yeah and like I said it's the indifference with which the evil is carried out yeah all of the people that are, are, are setting this trap and that are taking advantage of Kurt Russell and his wife uh, they didn't single them out these are just the unlucky people who happen to be fallen to the trap this week yeah and it's so outrageous he even meets one of them and he, the guy pretends to be like mentally ill and gives him a misdirection to lead him down a dead end road where they can dispatch of him off the map and uh, every step he takes is manipulated and by the time we finally get him to get a little bit of payback and he kicks JT Walsh in the fucking face <laughs> I wanted like yeah <laughs> excuse me and when the movie has you that emotionally invested yeah. when the bad guy finally gets kicked in the face <laughs> After an hour of just being an unbelievable, see you next Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's working. It's it, you know, it's an effective movie. It's undeniably. Yeah, and there's also there's also that that. Well, it's it's really one of those ones, and in 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 this genre, you don't see a lot in horror. Is is that is that feeling of your world turning upside down? That the the unbelief. Like I mean, I. It, as crazy as things get in horror movies, there's really not a lot, maybe, maybe ghost stories, where people are like, this isn't happening, this isn't happening. Whereas in this movie, that moment just breathes. Yeah. Where he's like, okay, my wife's not here. And that moment of paranoia, you look around, are, the, are these people in on it? Who's in on it? The, 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 oh, this is a joke. No, this is a scam. Yeah. Oh, this, is, this isn't happening. Oh, I'm crazy. Maybe I didn't even have a wife. That yeah. Your world just is, is completely uprooted. Everything becomes a huge question mark. Yeah, and uh, J.T. Walsh, the the main villain, is got is so brazen. When confronted by Kurt Russell in front of authority figures, that was he, great. Yeah, he keeps his composure yeah. unbelievably well. Yeah. Like I don't know this man. I've never seen this man before in your life, and like. It, I like the layer of the acting there. Yeah, there's and, a... Oh, so yeah. And a, the, the menace. The menace that comes out of J.T. Walsh. Because where I said it starts in a place that's not personal, it becomes intensely <laughs> personal. <clears throat> when Kurt Russell finally manages to track down the location of his wife, 
he interrupts a family dinner. Yep. To that dig his wife out of a, yeah, to dig his wife out of this barn. And JT Walsh's wife and kid have no fucking idea <laughs> that she's down there. Right. And she's hogtied and in a freezer. Yeah. And uh, like when JT Walsh has those cards spilled, like his life has changed. The game has now had a new layer of complexity because this asshole managed to spill the beans at dinner table. It's now very fucking personal. <laughs> and then it goes from him being a manipulative, sort of, you know, very, very intelligent threat to a pure psychotic killer. Where now, now you've got a real problem. Before, you know, he might have stole your bank or he might have even ended up killing them, but it was just a means to an end. Now he's going to make you fucking suffer. Yeah. Now it gets real. To him, kidnapping, extortion, that's another day. <laughs> yeah, now he's just going to punish this man for daring to come into his world. <laughs> I think there's another layer of darkness to this movie that I didn't pick up until I watched it again, actually just last night, for this podcast. I wonder if you're there with me on it. Uh, I... I don't know. I'm pretty sure that Kathleen Quinlan's character was raped. Oh. Well, he, I, I do recall that little hint that, uh, that her, about her hair. He tells her, he, he, when describing the man's wife, he says she's got curly hair upstairs and down. That's it, yeah. And at the end of the movie, Kurt Russell has J.T. Walsh completely helpless and all but dead. And they can walk away. But it's Kathleen Quinlan's character who pulls the brake on the truck yeah. to ensure that this man is obliterated. Yeah. And and uh, it's weird because they don't make a point of it. It's almost like I wonder if there was a deleted scene. Yeah. Well, maybe, but uh, or or just a beautiful subtlety to it. Because I remember hearing that line like, "That's a great way to show that this woman's at least at the very least is in more danger. Like she's 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 not just being held safely somewhere. Yeah. She, there, she's." there's a danger to, to her situation beyond just being kidnapped. He's not saying uh, she's completely safe for now, you know? He's not yeah. even giving him that. Yeah. This is your wife, and again, like you said, if it's your wife and your kid, you're, you're absolutely thrown over a barrel because on one hand, you want to kill this person with your hands and your teeth. Yeah. But on the other hand, if you do that, you have no way of finding out where your wife right. or your kid is, and I, th I think that's one of the one of the great horrors of, of these kind of movies is, is that that helplessness, it's especially in the early stages, where what can you do? Uh, like, and, and especially in highway movies as well. Like, you, you sort of you realize just how much isolation there is. On, on the one hand, you can in theory go anywhere, but in reality, you can go that way or you yeah. can go that way. And you don't know what you're going to find when you go that way. And 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 even if you go to the authorities, and we see this in some of the other movies, you don't know how they're going to respond to you. Yeah. You you could be in a place that's just hostile to strangers or hostile to you for whatever whatever reason they pick up on. Yeah. Could they could be backwards? They they, they could be in cahoots with with the villains for all you know. You uh, seem healthy, wealthy, happy, and smug. You seem somebody who will need to be fucked with. <laughs> uh, you know. I think it's a really good movie, and I think that, uh, you know, if we can introduce it to somebody out there, yes. seek it out. I mean, Solid. it's it's really good. It's aged quite well. It, it, I've been talking about a lot lately in the podcast how quickly movies tend to age nowadays. Yeah. 
And I mean, other than some big cell phones, I think this is an adventure story that could happen today. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I like it. Me too. Enough said? Enough said. We have a lot in common, you and me. He killed someone close to you, didn't he? He ran over my wife. He convinced him it was an accident as she was standing in the road. I went after him. Been tracking him for two years. He drives a 1972 Cadillac Eldorado. Prefers major highways. He's paranoid about running out of gas. He used to stop for repairs, but he's gotten pretty good at taking care of that himself. He disappears for three, four months at a time. He knew what he was doing. What are you talking about? Did he take something of yours? He always takes a souvenir. He took my picture. If I can find you, so can he. Highwaymen is the, before uh, I mentioned in the introduction, was shot in uh, Toronto, in the big studios out there. And uh, it sort of brings back a, a director, Robert Harmon, to this genre of the Crazy Road Odyssey. He directed an 80s slasher film called The Hitcher with oh, okay. uh, Rutger Hauer and C. Thomas Howell. Interesting. I actually reviewed it on an episode of the podcast called Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Huh. I have a soft spot for it. It's a weird hybrid. It's sort of half horror movie, half action shoot 'em up thriller. I, you can definitely feel the influence of the Terminator, and uh, there's a lot of crazy car chases and a lot of violence. Um, this movie, Highwaymen, finds Jim Caviezel playing a man who is trying to track down the murderer of his wife. Colm Fior is known as this uh, nefarious villain, Fargo. Uh, he himself has obviously been in some terrible car accidents because he's in, in bits and pieces and has, requires a wheelchair. But when he's behind the wheel of his car, he is a very dangerous fellow. Uh, sometimes he will do crimes of opportunity, just run people over, and other times he will set very specific and deliberate traps and run people down and basically incite all sorts of mayhem. Well, he like like many of us, he, he likes to kill with his car. <laughs> well... I think that that, for me, is where the movie works. Like, the car stuff in the movie works. Whenever we, uh, there's a whole sequence where he hooks up a chain to a car which is upside down and is dragging this poor, terrified woman as sparks are flying. And, uh, you know, she's utterly helpless. And uh, when he decides to make the crash happen is when she will die. Is basically, you know, what he's getting off on and what she's having to deal with. Uh, that stuff all works. The stuff around it, the investigation, the background of the serial killer, uh, the traffic cop, Frankie Faison from The Wire, uh, doing the investigation into this killer, is almost so familiar as it could have been an episode of Law & Order SVU or, or, you know, Law & Order Automotive Division, <laughs> you know? There's nothing particularly... Ex- uh, exceptional about the script no. at all. No, I mean at it's, all. it's a it's an it's an entertaining movie for sure, and it's a nice tight movie. I, I, I don't it 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 it, uh, it was 
reasonably well paced and it kept you excited and those car, car scenes were, were great. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff uh, that... Well, there were, there were some things that... Well, there's some, there's some movies where something stupid happens and you're like, what is going on here? This one, it was more like a, wait, what just happened? But it, it actually kept going so you didn't really have to think about it. And, and for a while I was thinking, now either this script is quite smart and is assuming we're smart and uh, it's like, look, I don't have time to explain, but this makes sense, and then just kind of goes with something. That was my initial theory, but now I'm just kind of thinking that there, there, were, there were too many things in it that I just thought, no, that doesn't make sense. Like, for example, the detective. Uh, I, I believe in a previous scene he doesn't he says he doesn't carry a gun, and then the next scene he shows he up, and I, I can't remember why. I can't remember why he showed up there at all, but, uh, but yeah, he has a shotgun. Uh, the scene where uh, the woman gets gets pulled into the car right. by, by a handicapped man who's, yes. who's uh, basically all limbs and metal. Yeah, that scene's really frightening until we know more about Fargo. Yeah. Once we know more about Fargo, that scene sort of stops making sense. Yeah. Part of his thing is that he isn't powerful unless he's behind the wheel. Yeah, but somehow he gets her into the car. Yeah. And uh, his plans, there, there's just no way you could plan for this highly orchestrated, terrible car accidents to play out how you would anticipate them yeah. to, right? There's just too many th factors to consider. He doesn't have complete control of the scenario the way a, a special effects crew, for instance, in a movie might. <laughs> uh, I saw some missed opportunities in the first half. I liked that they were really lean with the dialogue. A lot of this was very visually told yeah. for the first half an hour, but I thought it was a mistake to open with Jim Caviezel's wife is run over and he's running to rescue her. A, we've seen that scene before. And B, when he shows up to warn this woman that she's being stalked, if we didn't have his background all the way, maybe we'd be like, is he on the level? Okay, is yeah, he yeah. the guy that's driving the car? Or maybe did the death of his wife make him crazy into this guy? Oh, that would have been interesting, uh, yeah. There were, there were opportunities to make us wonder, but they didn't take those opportunities. And uh, I kind of thought, it would have it would have taken something that would it would have still been a familiar, fairly derivative psycho killer movie, but it would have been a way to sort of distinguish itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also, you're right. There is a huge problem with the whole character that Frankie Faison from The Wire plays. I can't remember the name of the character. I don't have IMDb with us in the car, so no. I can't reference that. But uh, he played the bunk in The Wire, and uh, oh, okay, yeah. he. He does traffic investigations, and he's seen enough of these accidents that he smells a large rat about this Fargo guy. But, yeah, but he, he can't really he can't really prove anything, it. Yeah. And this Jim Caviezel character that's doing this investigation sort of is helpful because it helps sort of prove his point. But I don't care if you're a traffic cop or not. You're not supposed to let this guy constantly put himself in danger. <laughs> it's not his job to you know personally hunt down and kill this this person <laughs> like. Vigilante justice is still against... It's frowned upon. It's frowned upon still, even it, in America. It, it's frowned upon is, is how I remember it. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that end scene of the movie is a real just, oh, no. The, the very final The very final that, shot. I'm pretty sure that was illegal. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that that was really bad for that cop to do. S spoilers for the end of the movie, okay? The bad guy loses. 
He has a terrible car accident and he is spilled out of the vehicle and he looks to be dead. But as Frankie Faison comes to see, uh, he lifts his head and starts mumbling like he's alive. And Faison, all of a sudden, yes, has a shotgun and shoots flat out executes <laughs> this guy. And when yeah. the backup arrives and says, sees this guy who was already, you know, in needing to a wheelchair to get from A to B, and had already been in a catastrophic accident, <laughs> and had clearly not moved from said accident right. when his brains were disintegrated by a close-range shotgun blast. Yeah. It's not just the end of your career. You are going to that's, fucking jail. That's <laughs> murder. That is straight-up murder. So yeah. Jim Caviezel gets to walk off into the sunset, <laughs> but yep. you have just fucked yourself. And the movie doesn't think deeply about it at all. It's supposed to be this big, punchy, badass way to end the movie. Yep, yeah. And that, I think I think that's the whole movie altogether. And that's what, well, that's what finally drove home to me that this... I mean, here's the thing. Is it, it was exciting. I, I did enjoy it. It holds your attention. Yeah. It's not boring. I've watched a lot worse movies than this. Yeah. But I, it's, it does sort of fall in that category as a movie that you can sort of forget as you watch. Yeah. <laughs> like... This should be Breakdown. This should be the movie that everybody forgot, right? <laughs> and it kind of is. It's not a really huge title. It's not like got a big reputation around it or, you know, a lot of fanfare. It's not terrible. Uh, and it's it's not awesome. It's it's just kind of a bland middle ground. Um, if you catch it on TV, great. You know, it'll, it'll pass a couple hours for you if you need those hours passed. But you can do better. <laughs> you yeah. can do better. Uh, and that might just cover that it. That might just cover it. Short and sweet on Highwaymen. We had a little incident here last night. The victim was staying in room 17. What happened to him? Ripped his jaw clean off. This fall. So you guys ready for an adventure or what? Everything you say. Candy cane. We saw what you did to that guy. You pathetic, lonely freak show. Will come back to haunt you. You really should get that fixed. Get what fixed? Everything you see is going to terrify you. And everything you hear... Who's the pretty girl? He's watching us! ...is going to drive you... Go, go! ...over the edge. Now leave it alone! Please! We'll do whatever you want! I want you two to head inside naked. So how does it feel to be the freak in the room? I was sorry! Why'd you do it? It's just for fun, just for a laugh. You don't feel like getting together in a motel later. Room 17, do not be one minute late. Don't open the door! Don't open the door! So you still good, or need me to drive? All right, so full disclosure. Some time has passed between the first couple of reviews and this review that we're about to do. Uh, um, we're out of the car. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna no longer split our focus. It was a noble experiment, but, but, but I think that uh, we, wanna, we wanna give the quality podcast that, 
that you know exactly piloting two tons of metal you know somebody who downloads something absolutely for free expects a certain amount of quality of course. in their podcast so of course uh, we're not here to fuck about let's we? not do that <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I want to talk about Joyride with you continuing yes. on our theme of road absolutely. rage yes. um, this is directed by John Dahl and uh Co-written by J.J. Abrams. That is interesting. Does yeah. that ring a spell, J.J. Abrams? Yeah, he's so, pretty so famous. That guy. He did, he's gone on to other things. Some, I think he did some, some science things. fiction stuff yeah. or something. I don't yeah. Know. So how did he? So I wonder. Yeah, I wonder how he ended up writing this. I, I'm not sure of the whole background to it, but it's just an interesting name to drop. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, the the director John Dahl had this '90s sort of. It's a weird thriller sort of comedy called Red Rock West. Okay. It's uh, Nicolas Cage is trying to get out of this small town. He's been a victim of mistaken identity, and no matter what he does, he just cannot get out of this town. Interesting. Um, anyway, he's an, he's an interesting director, but this is uh, a very sort of mainstream sort of flavor for him. Uh, the story has to do with the late Paul Walker. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, his buddy Steve Zahn, they're going to go pick up the girlfriend, Lily Solbieski. I hope I'm saying that that's, right. Uh, close, I think. Let's, uh, let's pretend that's that, right. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to continue on a cross-country journey. Uh, the hiccup is is that they start playing on a CB radio, and they contact they contact this guy named Rusty Nail, Rusty voiced Nail. by the memorably deep-voiced uh, Ted Levine. And they play a pretty cruel prank on him. Yeah, they. Yeah, well, yes. They pose as a uh, horny, you know, woman who's into truckers. Tell them to meet them at a hotel, and then they're in, you know, adjacent room snickering about how he's going to be disappointed. Except for he kind of overreacts. <laughs> yes, that, that is that is what I would say. That's uh, and some bloody violence ensues. Yeah. Uh, they are then stalked by this rusty nail, both in the over the radio and very ruthlessly on the highway. Uh, and their uh, maybe not so innocent prank blooms into a full blown sort of a horror story. Mm-hmm. Um, you had originally wanted to do this on your very first podcast right, with yes. me. Uh, you chose this one episode because Joyride was in it, except and for Joyride was wasn't not. in it. So yeah, yeah. this is a long time coming. <laughs> yeah, what been... do you think of Joyride, brother? Well, I have to say, first of all, that this has a bit of sentimental value for me. Okay. Because as I say earlier, I get traveling, and in this, uh, in this uh, time I saw it in the theater, I was in Auckland, actually. So I'd met some, some local Kiwis there. Uh, they were some IT guys, um, and they... Not, not an interesting story. <laughs> no, we we met on a meditation retreat, which I guess is a little wacky. But right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so we saw this movie, and I remember enjoying it then. And then uh, just uh, now watching it again, being able to appreciate just there's a there's a there's a there's a tightness to the script. There's a sort of tautness that uh, that I feel in this movie that uh, that it kind of gets a hold of you. I like I like how quickly they introduce the characters. That's definitely yeah. one of the things I like. It's fairly efficiently told, and it, it really wants to. Have hold your attention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they seem pre really determined to not lose your, your your attention, and they do that. And it is one of those stories that you need to move briskly because if you stop to sn- smell the flowers a little bit, it becomes just ridiculous. Yeah. Rusty Nail is wherever he needs to be, whenever he needs to be there. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he's got. He you know his plans are just ridiculously meticulous and always executed perfectly. Yeah. Um, but when you're just watching these poor kids dealing with the mayhem, you kind of, you know, 
they are imperiled. They are imperiled. I like that. I like the sense of the danger that this movie had. Even at one point, I I actually was certain that they were going to die, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Like, I have to check the time. Wait, no, no, they. No, it's too logically. Early. Yeah, I, no, I got tricked though. I got tricked. They they were going to die. I think the movie's secret weapon is Steve Zahn. Oh yes, he's. Uh, yeah, well, I think uh, he's he's doing his Steve Zahn, which he I think probably perfected in Out of Sight. Yeah. In yeah, in the late late nineties, he was sort of this character actor guy who would be in supporting roles, but just quietly stealing whatever movie yeah. he was in. Um, then he got popular and he started picking more commercial payday gigs, which yeah. I guess I can understand. But yeah. I always prefer sort of the you know supporting character, strong you know, charming Steve Zahn, and this is a really good example of that. Yeah. But the other reason I say that is that this whole joke that they play posing as a woman and uh, you know seducing a lonely trucker to come to an empty hotel room or uh, the wrong hotel room mm-hmm. it's not a funny joke no objectively <laughs> like if it wasn't played well these guys would be assholes <laughs> we would not like them we would yeah. not necessarily sympathize with yeah. them yeah now they may be dicks but rusty nails overreact <laughs> he did overreact I yeah. Li- yeah I like I like how they indicate just how far he'll go yeah there was a sound like <laughs> yeah, somebody's jaw was removed. <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> We're allowed to talk spoilers. It's, nice it's, it's, um, I also say I think I like the decision to not see Rusty Nail. Yeah. As an entity, he's largely just a voice or a shape. Right. Or the headlights of this big rig behind them. Yeah. So uh, I, yeah, they stuck to their guns on that. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, Paul Paul Walker. Yeah, uh, he's a decent leading man here. He, yeah, I think he kind of gets eaten by the stuff that's going on around the movie. Even though he is, you know, objectively the main character of the movie, he's not necessarily the thing that you talk about. Yeah, yeah. I think it's fascinating though that he. So many of his movies are car oriented. So much. Yeah, that's right. This stuff between the Fast and the Furious and this, and there's been other things, you know, road movies that he's been involved in, and then of course he died in a terrible car accident. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's. Uh, just strange. The, this this is sort of adds a weird macabre angle to the movie. Mm. I guess it's not a good or bad thing, but it, it, it's interesting. Yeah. The Fast and the Furious movies are car crash movies, but I think they're designed to be dumb and fun. Yeah. Uh, Joyride was a real, you know. It was a thriller. Yeah, a yeah thriller. classified as a thriller. Yeah. Yeah. And one that works efficiently enough. I mean, I think I'm at risk of overselling it a little bit. I mean, it. it it's mm. it, it falls short of amazing. Yeah, no, but it's a, it's a it's a it's a well written script, and uh, and I like the performances. I like the interplay of the brothers, the, yeah. the, the way they egg each other on, where you kind of believe like they don't they do think it's a joke, but then then get totally caught up in it. They kind of bring out the worst in each <laughs> other in a way, but exactly. it's still yeah. charming. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's just like these guys, you know, they're a little bit shit disturbers. Yeah. They're a little bit. <laughs> they're pretty much harmless, but you know. They they caused themselves this problem. They had no way of anticipating the scale. No, of the <laughs> exactly that they were going to get. But no. I, I, there was a whole series of movies that was the entire decade of the '90s. Arguably, was obsessed with the psycho killer genre, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the psycho temp, the psycho X, the yeah. psycho. Oh, cop, very much. The so. psycho I never even nanny, thought of that. The yeah. psycho. It, they just went through a fucking laundry <laughs> list of them. Yeah, every uh, occupation, every every relation. Yeah. Oh, right. 
And it kind of died off for a little while. And mm-hmm. really, this is just another one of those. I guess it is, yeah. The, 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 this is a psycho truck driver. Yeah. The twist is we don't actually see him. Usually we I spend love his time, voice, though. <laughs> yeah. Usually we spend time getting to know him. We get to find out why Rusty Nail is, you know. Yeah, how he got to be that extreme. Some yeah. weird ex-com. We don't know. We yeah. don't know. We just know that he was not to be fucked with. Yep. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of the, the alternate ending because it's not just an alternate ending it's, it's a different it movie completely diverges like at least uh, 30 minutes of a different movie there i have to like it's generally sort of aside we're both alternate endings yeah as far as i'm concerned Didn't the happen. ending the ending that is given to us yeah. in the sort of theatrical cut in the main sort of feature on the movie is the ending that we have. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, that's an alternate or deleted scene. Yeah. I've never seen it that, that scale, though, before. Yeah. No. Like, that was like several weeks of shooting and stunts and, and I fire. think They that devoted a lot to that. It was, it was weird. And, and darker. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess either way, Rusty Nail is, spoilers, going to be getting away well, with, yeah. <laughs> with things. It's just whether, how, how big the body count is right. in the movie is essentially the major difference between right. the... I think that they wanted to make a more popcorn, date-friendly, you know, teenager movie. Yeah. And they maybe made the safer choice. Yeah. If this was like a hard-arged, grislier movie, but that wasn't, the, this wasn't the Hitcher. Yeah. This isn't that movie. And, it, and it don't, and it, yeah, and I don't think, uh, yeah, I, I like the ending. It, it kind of, it kind of ramped up really well. Yeah. And, and they were, yeah. And um, it it was the kind of movie where you know in a way none of our characters died, but it was okay. You, we didn't necessarily need the death. Yeah, uh, I was sort of surprised. I remembered, like I, I kind of just assumed that Steve Zahn, yeah, <laughs> right, was going to end up dying in a way that's just sort of all his fault. Yeah, and he was the third wheel of that dynamic, yeah. you know, and you know maybe he would heroically, but no, he's pretty brutally wounded, but he's 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 you know, yeah. Everybody lives. It's one of these movies where... It, it is rare, isn't it? You know, uh, the bad guy isn't caught, the good guys aren't killed. Like, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's almost not an ending, right? right. <laughs> but it's not a bad thing, necessarily. And apparently there are is Joyride 2 and 3. Yeah. You can, I don't, I've never really Probably gone beyond this. this. Probably not. There's just a bad track rest record with direct-to-video sequels right. of this kind, and right. it's one of those things. If it falls into my lap, and I'll have a look at it if I get it, if my hands on it, super cheap or in a, you know a set or something like that. But I like Joyride quite a bit as it is, but I don't feel the need to press on this journey. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The, the story of Rusty Nail can can uh, can drift off into infamy. Uh, it does speak a lot about sound design too one of the other special features on the oh, disc yeah, yeah. you can hear different actors playing the voice Eric Roberts notably is one of them yeah um, yeah. I didn't recognize the other name but it was interesting to hear his take on it I, I still love Ted Levine's no, voice no Ted Levine <laughs> I've talked about so it in the past he's the come podcast. up so many times yeah he's got this deep yeah. voice that almost sounds like it's going in slow motion or the, the, the speed's right, off right, somehow exactly. but yeah. it's close to a slur but I just love it I just love it very, very much I want to. I want to listen to Ted Levine like read. I don't know War and Peace <laughs> Anything, to me. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> the cat in the hat. So I guess in the summation, I, I I like Joyride. I don't want to oversell it. It's it's a solid genre. Yeah, exactly. Entry. It's a it's a fairly safe movie. It's scary and thrilling. Um, 
nothing too offensive about. Well, no, yeah. sorry. There is there's some horrible parts in it. Bad but things yeah. happen. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. a movie that you have seen before. Like this, the, these ingredients you've seen before yeah. in different movies. But like, the actors are good. The, the setting and stunts good. They say there's nothing new under the sun, so it's really exactly. you know, it's, it's a nice it's, remix. It's a nice. Uh, it's the singer, not the song. Right. And there's you know this this director has good pipes. I like it. Remember when I said this car was death proof? Well, that wasn't a lie. This car is 100% death proof. Only to get the benefit of it, honey, you really need to be sitting in my seat. So you, lucky man, uh, have not one but two films starring Kurt Russell. That's right. Um, this is uh, not necessarily the case of uh, Quentin Tarantino dusting off a forgotten relic of the past. I don't really think Kurt Russell ever really went away. But what he did do by casting Kurt Russell in this Death Proof movie is sort of give him a role that we haven't seen him do before. At least I have. I don't remember Kurt Russell doing anything quite like this. Yeah, there's, a, there's, a, yeah there's an intensity to this character. Yeah. That, uh, I mean... There's, I think that there's a really interesting performance here. Like, he's a badass and he's a coward. Yeah. <laughs> he's cool and he's pathetic. There's an interesting duality to this character that he's playing. And uh, I, I like that. <laughs> I like that. And that's good because to the left and right of it, I find a lot of things to be frustrated with, if I'm honest. Yeah. With Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof. Um, it, it was meant to be one half of the grindhouse experiment yeah, yeah Eli Roth provided the first half being Planet Terror no no that was uh, Rodriguez or sorry uh, you're right Robert Rodriguez thank you Robert Rodriguez did the first half mm. with Planet Terror <coughs> and Tarantino provided Death Proof I liked the experience of grindhouse but at the time I always was like I like Planet Terror way better than mm -hmm. Death Proof which I seem to be in the minority opinion of really and uh, oh, I love Planet Terror yeah and uh, for me, like, Planet Terror had a lot of pep and energy. So when we got to Death Proof, to have a movie that was... The first half of it was so slow, and it was like the third hour in the theater of that night, right. it really sort of felt my butt getting me. <laughs> so when they decided to release them on video, both separately and together, me being the nerd that I am got every version. I have Grindhouse, and I have these isolated versions of the, of the films, <laughs> which are significantly longer. Instead of two 80-minute movies, we, this movie now is one hour and 53 minutes. And the DVD release of Planet Terror, likewise, has an extra 20 minutes or so added to the film that you didn't see in the theaters. <laughs> All of that aside, when I got this Death Proof by itself with the extended footage, I really wanted to just watch it as a movie by itself. I thought maybe because it was anchored in Grindhouse and, and served with a zombie movie that was so to my taste... <laughs> that maybe my reaction to it was a little bit severe. And I gotta say, adding an extra half an hour of the footage to this movie is definitely a case where more was less. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if I recall in the theaters, it it felt it felt long at, at what it clocked in at, so to add another half hour just seems, uh, seems criminal. It was very surprising to me too, because as a tribute to the drive-in sort of grindhouse fair, which it was supposed to be, uh, those movies tended to be overtly exploitive and move at a pretty clumsily right. fast pace. Yeah, yeah, and then just kind of, yeah, 
intense. To what I say, it takes about the first 40 minutes of this movie, or well, almost an hour in the extended version, for us to be introduced to the killer and shown his method of execution. Right. And I think an Honest Grindhouse movie would have given us that before the opening credits. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yeah, there, and, and then... Uh, and then, and then it's... Uh, then it gets that extra half hour. Yeah, no, it's a uh, well. Uh, there's well, there's really two movies here. There's yeah. kind of the first, uh, the first uh, uh, part of it, which is uh, yeah, the, I guess the first, the first set and the second set of, of victims, I guess. Yeah, there's a group of girls who are hanging out. <clears throat> well, one in particular is waiting to uh, meet up with a boy, and she's getting stood up. Yeah. She's getting progressively more drunk and bitchy and angry as the evening progresses. Um, I'm not sure why we needed to know that she was being broken up with her. It wasn't important. These are all victims. Yeah. <laughs> these are all, all of these characters are going to be wiped off the board so that the real movie can start. Yeah. Here's another thing. I know I've been very negative so far. When the movie does start about an hour into the movie, I like the second movie. I like the second movie quite a bit. Interesting. I, um, uh, we're going to... I'm going to back it up just a little bit yeah, because sure. we've managed to talk this far without <laughs> really talking about the premise of Really the anything, yeah. Uh, Kurt Russell plays a former stunt driver who in, the autumn, in his autumn years uh, is moonlighting as a serial killer. He uses his car, which is decked out and is, as it is called, death proof, to protect the, the driver from any kind of catastrophic damage. Uh... He will crash his car into other cars and kill everybody in the other car. He, if he has a passenger and he slams on the brake, that passenger has nothing to stop them. And we sh he is shown to be this really, really vicious, you know, ugly mm. character. Right. Uh, and like we said, we spent the first hour being introduced to who he is and how he does his business. Yeah. And we spend an hour getting to know this group of girls who are obliterated by him. And then the reset bu button is hit. Yeah. And we are introduced to another group of girls. Yeah. Um, and so we're going to see how it plays out. The second time, happily, it doesn't work out quite so well for the <laughs> Russell character. Um, it's a weird, different approach. And I'll give at least Tarantino points for trying something different. Yeah. But again, uh, as a tribute to Grindhouse Cinema, I don't necessarily think that that's how I would have approached it. Yeah. Um, and I think that he's as much enjoying, you know, hanging out with the girls wearing short shorts yeah. and, you know, the self-indulgent, self-referential Hollywood dialogue of all of these, you know, Hollywood insiders. Mm -hmm. I love that they got, he's got Zoe Bell playing herself. Uh, I like his increasing habit of including her in his movies. I, I think she's just a, a charming presence, generally. Huh. Um, She's a New Zealand stunt woman who'd worked doubling for the Kill Bill movies, right? Right, right. Uh, so he knew her well, he liked her, got along with her, and she plays herself in the movie. In the movie, she shows up at the airport, she gets picked up by her friends who are played by Rosario Dawson and Mary Elizabeth Winstead. And, uh, oh, that's really? Yeah, Mary I didn't Elizabeth recognize Winstead. her. Yeah. Oh. She gets ditched with the, with the dude at the farm. Oh, yeah. Huh. Um, Anyway, they're going to have this sort of L.A. adventure with this Kiwi. Um, and it's interesting, because she is playing herself. And mm -hmm. it's sort of the Quentin Tarantino indulgences. Mm -hmm. But I like the indulgence of including Zoe. I don't like the indulgence of him casting himself. Oh, Once yes. again, Tarantino casts himself in the movie, and once again, it's more distracting than helpful. <laughs> 
Anyway, yeah. I feel like I've been running over you. What What do you think of Death Proof? Uh, actually, it's funny. I actually liked the exact opposite of you. Oh, really? I, like I prefer the first, the first part. Yeah. I well, here's here's why. Um, first of all, there was way too much in the second half, especially like if that was its own, then that might have been all right. right. But we already had that slow moving thing for the first half, and then to have like a slow moving character introduction where the where the characters have these banal conversations for a while. Um, so, if the, yeah, so, so we already sort of had that in the first half. The first half of the movie, it, things, things go slowly. And I actually kind of like that. I, I, I wasn't... He, we, I wish he'd trimmed more. I, I'd kind of be curious to see the original Grindhouse version again. But it... Um, what it did was it lulled me. Kind of. I, 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 you just I, believed it, these were your main characters. Yeah, and and then and then and then things kind of got quiet, and then there's that scene on the deck where 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 they're talking, and it's kind of a quiet, rainy night. Right. And uh, and I realized that um, uh, that it was kind of it wasn't really boring, but it was just kind of keeping that level because when it when it suddenly turns, it turns so hard. Yeah. Which is why I, which is why I think there was that slow slow lead up. Uh, because uh, that's such a great line when uh, he says, I'm afraid you're going to have to start getting scared yeah. right now. Yeah. And the way, because oh, that, that, is, that is an intense scene. So, uh, so if, I, if, I, if I were editing the movie, I'd kind of leave it almost like that, take, take away that extra stuff he put on the, on the original edition, and then tighten it up, like maybe have them picking, picking Zoe up at the airport or something like that, have them arguing less about the belts and stuff. And because I, but I did like that. I did like that stunt ride. I did like the uh, uh, with Zoe's on the front, of the front of the the hood of the car, and they're driving around being run off the road. That was actually pretty exciting. Yeah. So I, li I like what it built to. Yeah. But I just wish it had been tighter. What I liked about the second half is that the girls, because they're stunt background and because they have an innate badassery, yeah. uh, are not just defenseless victims. Right. Right. The, the original group of girls in the car saw the headlights turn on yep. two seconds before the car hit them. They had no chance to defend themselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And arguably, if they did, I don't think they would have done as well as this group of girls. Exactly, yeah. But it was very satisfying to see the table turn yeah. on, on the Kurt Russell character. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the whole car chase thing where, where they're being rammed while Zoe's riding on the hood because she's an adrenaline junkie yeah. and they wanted to have fun. <laughs> Uh, all of a sudden the movie was energized in yeah, a way exactly. that, that we got that burst of energy at the end of the first half yeah. when everybody died and yeah. then the movie reset itself yeah. right and but like by that time my ass was numb and then I had yep, to yeah. wait another <laughs> half an hour for the yeah. for Kurt Russell to show up back into the movie yeah um, but I like that the movie lightened up it got you know we laughed a little bit and we needed to laugh after that horrible car wreck yeah yeah oh my god that was so <laughs> horrific yeah and we I, at least I did I connected so much with the, the Zoe character that mm -hmm. I liked mm -hmm. her so much mm -hmm. that when she was on the hood of that car and we didn't know if she was going to live or not there was genuine stakes yeah yeah and I flash back to the first half of the movie and that ridiculous fucking lap dance that yeah yeah I know I like, felt cock blocked by the extended version as well. Yeah. Weird, eh? Well, in that, I wanted to say, in, <laughs> in the Grindhouse version, it leads up to the point where she's going to do the lap dance, 
and then the real jumps. It's one of those things yeah. where yep. it's yes. an old screening and they don't have all of the films, so you, the, the film jumped a bit and we missed the lap dance and it was kind of funny because yeah. everybody in the audience is maybe disappointed. Yeah. Oh no, right? Like <laughs> yeah. We could have seen the titty. Well, we didn't need that lap dance scene. No. As evidenced by the presence there just being a dead weight. Yep. <laughs> Everything stops. Yeah. Everything stops yeah. for this lap dance. <laughs> and it still doesn't feel completed. It's just like, what? Yeah. You get that he likes to play with his food. He get like he's flirting with these girls that yeah. he's gonna kill. He's not interested in fucking them. He's interested in yeah. killing them. <laughs> um, and there's some interesting psychology there, but I think that the movie, especially in the first time, takes way too much time yeah. with that first group of girls. Yeah. Like I think we should have opened in the bar. They were at the. Yes, they were yes, already exactly. in the bar. Something like that. She was already yeah. drunk and upset that she'd been stood up. Yeah. We didn't need the. I think he was trying to psycho us. I think he wanted yeah. us to believe that these were our main characters. Yeah. And that's that. Yeah, that was interesting too. Yeah. But yeah, but I, I think we both agree. If you tighten this down to like seventy mm-hmm. minutes, even you know, 80, 70, 80. I want to give a shout out. Yes. To can be effects. Okay. The grizzly oh my car God. accident that we are treated to yeah. oh. is not CGI. They did that with dummies and practical effects. Oh, that's impressive. Like, it is a very impressive sequence. It's incredible. Like, when I first saw it, I assumed that it had to be CGI, yeah. right? But it looked like really strong CGI. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. no, they, they made practical effects. They Oof. fucking hit a dummy with a car tire. Oh, you my know? God. And uh, it's, you know... That was impressive. The weight of the severed leg bouncing on the concrete oh God, that feels was real. genuine because yeah. it was, you know, built. Oh, that's uh, impressive. It's very gross. And when we're talking about this road rage and, and with the fear that it incurs, I think that the, the, the death proof is really good in yeah. that respect. Very like, good at that. The, this, the horrifying violence that can be inflicted by yeah. automobiles. Yeah. Fucking yikes. Yes. And... The movie is almost redeemed by its final moments. Yeah. But, like, having this Kurt Russell character who's been such a badass, when the tables turn on him, he fucking falls apart so completely. (laughs) He screams like a child. (laughs) And it's so satisfying to see these girls, you know, hit back. Mm -hmm. And on that regard, I think that the movie does work. And I think it works enough that I can say yes. Death Ruth is worth watching, yeah. but it's pretty low on my list of yeah. Tarantino movies. And t- tighten it down to 74 minutes, I think you got a pretty good movie there. Yeah. I, I, I hate to sound all snobby, but discipline, brother. Yeah, discipline. <laughs> discipline. <laughs> Max is a main force officer trying to protect his family and stay alive. His only weapon, 600 horses of fuel-injected vengeance. force of the future.
so I've often thought of George Miller's Mad Max uh, as kind of Australia's Night of the Living Dead. Okay. It, it, it was a $350,000 film, right? And uh, a lot of corners were being cut and a lot of risks were being taken and guerrilla filmmaking, you know, at its um. finest. But also shot widescreen, you know, not... It was done cheaply, but they were trying to give produce a genuine product, you know? And it's this cult thing that just snowballed and snowballed and snowballed and became, you know, epic. It gave Miller a career. It's defining, yeah. Uh, he was working as uh, an emergency worker in, like, a hospital, you huh. know, treating patients coming in in the emergency room huh. for their injuries. And he saw people coming in with brutal car, uh, from car accidents mm. and the type of terrible violence that was inflicted on them. Huh. And... It sparked something in him. <laughs> and thus this whole Mad Max thing was born. Uh, and there's plenty of good stories that you can hear about how, like, he did, you know, section off a length of highway that he was allowed to shoot on but yeah. for a couple of days. But basically they shot on all sorts of roads because one road looked like another. Yeah. Uh, and not all of it was, you know, completely on the books. You okay. know? A lot of people <clears throat> wore their own wardrobe, drove their own motorcycles, and crashed their own cars for the <laughs> sake of this movie. Sweet. And uh, it, it's interesting watching it now because, again, I don't know why this is the Fast and the Furious episode. We're coming back to Fast and Furious. In this day and age where it seems like we can create anything in a machine, in the computer, as far as special effects, right. um, I guess you could argue that the car scenes don't seem that impressive by comparison. But when you consider that this, none of this is augmented, yeah. None of this is augmented by special effects. These are real people, real drivers, mm -hmm. you know, real crashes in a controlled environment, but real, real crashes. <clears throat> and an ambitious post-apocalyptic sort of story being told on a micro-budget. Well, it's, it's, it's I don't know, I, I, I've forgotten that it's really not that post-apocalyptic. Like, yet. there's television, the edge he's got it. a job. Yeah. I'd forgotten that. I always pictured, like, the, the Road Warrior and uh, Thunderdome ones, where it's just this this savage world but uh, the first one you've got a family yeah yeah no this is ground zero I think that's where the Night of the Living Dead sort of comparison works yeah, okay. because yeah. every time we come back to Max things have gotten worse mm -hmm. and things have gotten farther along right right um, basically the, the we're starting to run out of resources things are starting to get a little crowded a little crazy in, yeah. in, in the world and uh, there's a police force that is trying to with the edges of their fingernails hang on to yeah. some semblance of order. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Max Rukatansky uh, gets uh, mixed up with this gang. Yeah. And in a very exciting car chase, ends up running one of the lead members off the road, obliterating. Yes. Um, this causes some sour grapes. <laughs> so uh, Max, even though they, they can't get convictions because, you know, court's bullshit mm -hmm. tries to get his family away from this and take a, a trip away from it but his wife and son end up being run down by this gang which precipitates him going on a rampage of vengeance yes uh and a lot of car crashes oh. and badassery ensues <laughs> it's interesting when this movie was first released at least this side of the ocean Nobody knew who the fuck Mel Gibson was. I know. And in the initial trailers, his name wasn't mentioned, and his face doesn't actually really appear in the trailer. It's we've come full circle now. Whereas if Mel Gibson was in your movie today, you might want to hide it now. But yeah. uh, you know, 
he was so huge in the 80s and 90s it's kind of funny to think that when Mad Max came out the fact that Mel Gibson starred in it was not worthy of mentioning right. in the in the publicity huh. <laughs> yeah so what did you think of Mad Max um I oh well I've, I've seen this so many times uh and I always enjoy it yeah. it's uh it's uh it's just solid like it's it's one of those movies it's kind of weird to say but it almost doesn't feel like a movie like you can kind of actually get emotionally involved in it and and it's just got this pacing and and uh, you just kind of slowly get into the lives of these characters like when they drive out to the country and you kind of like feel like oh yeah we're we're safe uh and uh and it's still close people. enough to the real exactly. world to be relatable exactly. at this it point. really had heart i think that's what what surprised me about this movie is that that the characters have a certain depth and you care about Max's mission. Yeah. Yeah. There's some weird nobility to Max. Mm -hmm. He's not mad. He's made mad. Yeah, exactly. He's not mad (laughs) at the start of this movie. He's just a guy who's a little bit, you know, altruistic, maybe even naive, considering, you know, the the world that he's living in. Yeah. I got to say, my opinion of Mad Max has improved over time. Oh, really? Yeah. Because when I was a kid it was a movie that it was alright but yeah. as far as I'm concerned this was just setting the table for the road oh movie. yeah <laughs> it's like the road warrior was the most badass fucking action movie right. ever yeah. right yeah. it's just <laughs> insane until they made this Fury Road movie well okay. like, like, <laughs> like as far as action on a highway it was hard to, to beat mm-hmm. so I was so obsessed with the road warrior when I was a kid that I was a little bit dismissive I, of, that of makes Mad sense. Max yep. <laughs> and, and coming back and watching it now it, it doesn't just work as a stunt movie. I mean, it's a pretty solid revenge thriller. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, too, that it is Mel Gibson because his entire fucking career is this. Like, how many times in, like, oh, how many times in Mel Gibson's career is he a guy whose wife has been killed? Right. And he's on a righteous, you know, you know quest to avenge it. Or a kid has been kidnapped and he's right. on a righteous quest for vengeance. Right. Or, you know again and again and again payback he's been stolen payback, what's money's yeah. been taken from him he's on a righteous you know <laughs> tirade of vengeance it's what the patriots his son is killed right. it, it, again and again and yeah. again this sort of like violent even Braveheart his yeah, wife is right. fucking killed <laughs> it's just like yeah. and it, it's right out of the gate with Mel he, he yeah. is he is the vengeance dude <laughs> he is the guy who's coming to bring the pain <laughs> <coughs> Uh, so that I don't know it's just fascinating to see like he he arrived fully formed <laughs> <laughs> yeah from, right from the beginning yeah yeah nice solid movie I love, I love the it was it, I, it had an artistic vision that's what I, that's one of the other things I like about it that that it really used the uh, the the desert and, and sky landscape to its advantage and then the and then the the the, the uh the colorful characters and all yeah. that. Yeah. The characterizations of the, especially the gang members, are quite amusing. Pretty intense. <laughs> and I, I, like, I like at the very beginning, uh, it sets the tone, even in the credits, where you know there's a, a character called Toe Cutter. Yeah. <laughs> all right. This is a movie with a guy called Toe Cutter. I can live with this. And yet you can take the movie sort of seriously. You can. That's I know. the fine line that Miller walks with the Ma- Mad it's, Max yeah, movies. Yeah, it's kind of brilliant. Yeah. Because yeah. Well, okay, Thunderdome... <laughs> Thunderdome uh, pushes the limit. Yeah, it does. Uh, the I mean, the presence of Tina Turner kind of <laughs> yeah. kind of takes it to another level, uh-huh. and you know Mad Max with kitties. But uh-huh. it all starts here. It all right. starts here. I just want to say something about George Miller. Like 
he was sort of considered one of the wonderkins, and uh, he hasn't been as prolific as the kids, the the other directors that sort of rose around this time. Huh. But he does different projects. Like the dude directed Happy Feet. Oh, <laughs> the director of Mad Max directed the Dancing Penguin movie. <laughs> okay. He also p- contributed an entry into the Twilight Zone, the movie, where, where he was working with oh. John Landis and uh, Steven Spielberg and, uh, who am I missing, uh, Gremlins guy, Joe Dante. Uh, okay. Uh, all of these directors coming together and him. And his segment, starring John Lithgow, oh, about a guy who plane. sees a gremlin yeah. on the wing of a plane, is easily the best segment. Oh, yeah, for sure, movie. yeah. <laughs> and in his 70s, I think he was in his 70s when he shot Fury Road, this oh. insane fourth installment of the Mad Interesting. Max. Interesting. I didn't realize it was the same director. I thought Absolutely. somebody else picked up the project. He was oh, nominated no for Best Director, and as far as I'm concerned, that. he should have fucking oh, won. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, so uh, I have a lot of respect for, <laughs> I don't love all of the movies that he's done necessarily yeah. um, but he does different things I, I, I'll edit this out if I'm wrong I don't have <laughs> IMDB in front of me I'm pretty sure he directed a movie called Lorenzo's Oil starring Susan Sarandon and Nick Nolte about a couple who are so desperate to save their son and when, that, when medicine can't do anything for it they start researching and creating a homeopathic cure for him it's an utterly devastating drama that came out of the early 90s yeah. again <laughs> just the fact that everything he does is so different it, like I have a lot of respect for it huh, cool. and again I said it at the beginning of the review $350,000 empty roads in Australia <laughs> car wrecks very oh, very near misses so beautiful <laughs> like I, I have a lot of respect for it <laughs> I, I'm a. I'm not comparing myself to Romero or Miller. I, like I keep, I, I, well, but I keep I on mean, saying when we talk about these low budget movies, I'm making a low budget movie. Yeah. But I can't even compare myself to that because we live in the digital world, right? Yeah. So Miller's shooting in the middle of the hot desert in Australia, watching these cars flip. <laughs> then he sends the film away to get <laughs> oh, developed. No. The film will get developed and sent back to him, and then he can start seeing if he has the footage that he needs to oh. cut together this fucking movie. <laughs> and when you consider all of the shit working against him, yeah. this isn't just a good movie. This is close to a fucking masterpiece, <laughs> you know? Uh, art through adversity doesn't even say it. Oh. <laughs> um, when you compare it... Watching it today, you can tell that it's an older movie and that it's got a low budget. Mm-hmm. But for that, it's impressive. It's visionary.
There's nothing in the fuel tanks. There wasn't ever anything in them. You didn't take the truck. The truck took you. Fucking Australia, right? Fucking Australia. One of the, the grandchildren, I guess, of Mad Max would have to be this roadkill, or as it was originally called, road train. Yeah. Apparently they call semi-trucks road trains in, in Australia. Mm. Um, but any kind of grungy car-oriented thriller in Australia is going to echo back to Mad Max. Right. It's... It's kind of like making a shark movie and pretending you haven't seen Jaws. <laughs> it's just you, gonna. It, yeah. it, it, it's just there. It's just there. To its credit, Roadkill is attempting to be its own sort of, you know, thing. Yeah. Uh, it's another group on a road, another road trip. Uh, uh, two couples and a lot of internal tension. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it opens with a disconcertingly graphic sex scene. Very graphic, yeah. <laughs> Beautifully shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it's, it's weird to just that early in the film be hit by that. Yeah. It's, one of the, it's a strange choice. I don't necessarily agree or disagree with it, but you could potentially turn people off by it. Yeah. And some people, you know, need to know the characters before they see them naked. Or <laughs> That's yeah. true. But I suppose it's maybe that whole visceral aspect of it. Yeah. Like there was some purpose of just bringing in that... Well, because well, the movie is more and more about viscera, I guess, yeah. the blood and the body, yeah. Well, they have their own sort of inner turmoil within the group, but they are set upon by a different adversary. They're initially run off the road by this road train, as they call it. Their vehicle's no longer drivable, but they see that the truck has stopped. Yeah. And when they go to investigate, they don't find the driver, at least not initially. And... Uh, since it's their only way out of there, they end up attempting to steal the truck just to get to safety and, you know, treat their injured member. And as the road trip continues, it seems to become increasingly obvious that uh, there's some supernatural shenanigans yeah, going on. Yeah, I like how that kind of sneaks in there, too. It starts uh, where it's like, this is just a normal situation. Yeah. I'm sure we're going to be okay. Is it just, like, people in the wrong place at the wrong time? Or is it going to be, like, a... The, uh, psycho is, killer is it yeah. another psycho but no no nope. uh, the movie doesn't go out of its way to explain this evil truck or yeah. the origin of the evil truck or why it's a truck or, or if it always oh, just taking this vision now yeah. it's interesting that we keep on seeing this image of these three dog heads yeah, I don't know Cerberus, if, it was, yeah. if it was Cerberus or if it was literally three demonic dogs or what but yeah I, th no, I, th I think this is like some kind of hell truck coming right. down yeah, this is one of those movies where um, it kind of has that uh, slow build. Well, I mean, well, I guess I guess it starts off pretty strong. I mean, I think within the first ten minutes, they run off the road. Um, then things just kind of get more and more horrible, I guess, for them. It gets progressively worse. It's sort of the raising, continually turning up the the knob on this. Thing. Yeah, uh, I think. It's one of those things where I think the movie mostly works, mm -hmm. but I want to like it more than I, I do. I know, I know. I'm glad I watched it again, mm -hmm. but uh, but it's still uh, it still just didn't quite. Well, well, for the first for the first part of it, I was thinking, oh, I'm glad I gave this movie another chance because this is actually quite well crafted. It's mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, it's pretty horrific, and uh, I, I like the way it kind of builds, but uh, but I I just I just kind of think that it just didn't 
keep the tension up. Yeah. Sort of. Like something horrible would happen, uh, and that would, that would kind of dissipate. And then something more horrible would happen, and that would kind of, you know, fade away ra- rather than kind of building on that. Yeah. I think if the if movie had been kind of tightened up a bit, it would have been more exciting. I want to like the characters a little bit more mm. than I do. That's true. They actually at ended up being a little bit more horrible than I would have liked. At some point, we are given reason to dislike each of these characters. Yeah. No, the like the one female lead uh, is probably the least shitty of the four of them. But well, like, <laughs> the, the, the 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 sort of the heroine of the yeah uh, the, yeah the, the brunette one, the sort of the, the naive one. Yeah, like she yeah. Was, Everybody takes their turn being absolutely wrong yeah. uh, <laughs> at one point, or being not helpful, or being counterproductive. Right. Um, and I understand, and it's sort of the d- dynamics of these things. And you've mm-hmm. seen a lot of horror movies like this. It's the Blair Witch thing. You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. They're frustrated. The dynamics of the group are breaking down, right. and that expresses itself through people screaming at each other. Sure. And that's what happens in real life. And it frustrates the situation because while they're doing that, things don't move forward. Mm-hmm. But it happens so much in this movie that it works against me liking the exactly. characters. Exactly. So and slowing the pacing down. So when the characters end up dying, I feel it less. Yeah. Yeah. And when they Surf do. Boy with the Justin Bieber bedhead gets his head crushed by the tire, I think it would be a way more impactful thing if I believed that these two were genuine friends yeah. who cared for each other and that this is where their friendship ended. Yep. Corrupted <laughs> by this evil. Yeah. But it really just seemed like a petty pissing contest. It did kind of, yeah, yeah. The characters just had that, uh, had the wrong kind of tension, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, enough of the movie works that I wouldn't say don't watch Roadkill. But it's one of those things that, like, you don't have to go out of your, <laughs> out yeah. of your way. Yeah, I'd st- it, I'd st- yeah. I'd, st- I'd still like to see it just tightened up a little. But the problem is, it's it's ninety minutes. It, yep. it clocks in right at ninety, so. Uh, I don't know if they could even even take any away, but yeah, just just kind of let it build, and then and then when it when it hits that that revelation exactly what's going on, you know, it's still it, it's it's it, yeah. I, I guess I, I guess I I liked it. I liked a lot of things about it, but but the way it it paced itself just didn't quite uh, connect a hundred percent. Connect with me, yeah, yeah. It had me, but then it let me go. Um, I certainly wouldn't give up on the cast or the director. No, for sure. Thing. Like uh, everybody starts somewhere, and I have to assume this was a relative. And the cinematography, the way it used the the Australian landscape, some very pretty shots in that. Yeah, and like you say, you can tell it's a child of Mad Max for that. Yep. <laughs> you don't have the money, but you have a free landscape to shoot, so use it. Yeah. Use the desolation. Use and the isolation. I kind of believe them when they say it could be a week before another vehicle. Comes oh, absolutely! There. How absolutely. Horrifying that would be. So over and above the other frustration of not liking the characters as much as I would want to. Then when you go, you want to keep it mysterious. You don't want to throw, show all your cards with this evil. You want to, you know, have a lot of potential. Maybe open it up for sequels. But is this? Did this Chuck pick them because they were flawed and they needed to be punished? Interesting. Was it just uh, a matter of fate? Yeah. Uh, like there, there just seemed to be a few elements that went unexplored that I think would have would have helped us see it all the way through. But. I always say that when I do the review, and then I, I, I have this vision of the movie that has those scenes, yeah. and then me sitting here saying, did they really need to explain <laughs> why, right. you know, the, 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 yeah. why the truck was exactly the way it was, or, you know, I don't know, I don't have the exact answer for them. This is almost a really good horror movie, yeah. is I guess what I'm going to say. A, it's a good horror sh- um 
Yeah, no, there's definitely good elements there, but, uh, but, uh, I, well, for me, I've always said the pacing, but for you, you say make the characters more likable. I think yeah. between, between those two things, make you want to, make you n care about the characters, make you not be kind of a little glad when their head gets crushed, yeah. you know? Well, or, or if you're going to make them unlikable, make them unlikable for a reason. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like I said, if there are sins that were being punished. Yeah, that's uh, right. I didn't fully understand why pseudo-Justin Bieber, as I'm going to keep <laughs> calling him, had such a fucking problem <laughs> with these two people hooking up, and why he was, you know, consistently over-shitty to <laughs> his girlfriend. Right. And I, I like, the. you could see him trying to do the right thing, but he would constantly get tripped up by his own anger and mm -hmm. his own sort of, his own flaws. Mm -hmm. And that's real. Yeah. And it's kind of refreshing to see real in a movie. <laughs> Yeah. It's interesting, this Roadkill movie, because if it was a little bit worse, uh, it, it would distinguish itself into just, a, just something to be avoided. Yeah. And if it was a little bit better, I'd say, you know... Run out and see it. It's good enough that you should definitely seek it out. Yeah. But it's unfortunately in this kind of limbo yeah. universe. If you, if you like visceral horror, go for this one. It's probably worth it. Because uh, the, the, the gore of it, it really lets you have it. It really throws that gore in your face. So if, if you like that experience of, uh, I don't know, some people, some people that is really terrifying for them and that's why you watch a horror movie. So if that's your thing. Yeah. And on an A, B, and C thing, it works. There's nothing, the performances aren't bad. The story works. Everything makes sense. Uh, it just, it's not as disturbing as it wants to be. And it's, it's almost. It's almost, yeah. It's almost. Right. You know, you're just about there. <laughs> the light is at the end of the tunnel, but you just keep driving yeah. and you never quite get out. Right. Uh, it, it's weird. Like, I, I wish I could be nicer to the movie. Like, it, it seems there's like we're being so severe. Much, there's some good stuff in there. There's some good stuff in there, but I say tighten it up. That's, yeah. that's what I'd say. Cut it down to, I mean, I don't know, an hour? Well, no, 74 minutes. Let's say 74 minutes again. Yeah. <laughs> that's my new rule. It's weird. When we're talking about films too, like uh, we're all about efficiency. I, I've been recently in the podcast. I spent a lot of time in the '80s, and there's been discussion about how pacing is. There's been a real focus towards pacing in movies in the last 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. Movies just the pedal or the the pedal is down to the metal. Like mm -hmm. the foot is on the gas. They want to every scene pushes plot, pushes right, plot, right. story, go, go. None of these long, languid Michael Mann, you know, sort of montage yeah, sequences yeah. where people are staring off into the sunset yeah. like that sort of shit has gone away right there is something to be said for a movie that has the balls to take its time yeah. and, and let you yeah. sort of stew into yeah it. exactly um just the payoff needed to come a little bit quicker yeah that's what i think yeah um it's okay i think that if you're a hardcore horror fan i would say watch roadkill but short of that uh, there's uh, always going to be another more interesting movie that's to watch. True. There'll either be a movie that's so bad that, <laughs> that it's like hilarious, or you know, better enough to that it'll that'll sort of default the roadkill. Mm -hmm. But uh, again, uh, I'm I'm always on side for a low budget filmmaker. Me too. And uh, they got more right than wrong. So, yeah, I think uh, so. Like high fives all around for everybody involved in roadkill. Yeah. I just think it's got some pretty steep competition. Yeah.
Miller. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Rankin Review. It has been a while, but it you are been. always welcome. Awesome. You're always welcome. Even though it has been a while, I'm still going to pest you. Like, okay. every time I see you, I'm going to be like, so you want to do my podcast? want to do my podcast? All uh, right. Uh, but you've been here before. You know how this works. Yep. It is now time for you to rank these six movies from your least favorite to your most. Let's, let's uh, Hit me, brother. Let's do this. Let's do this. All right, so at number six, we've got Roadkill. Right. Uh, some very good stuff in there. Um, just, I, I, yeah, yeah, very good stuff in there, but it just didn't quite gel into a, into a, a good, solid movie. Okay, this one, Death Proof, just because, again, just tighten up, tighten up the, the pacing of it. It's a, it's a great movie. Cause there's there's some a great really movie somewhere in there. Stuff in there. Yeah. <laughs> I but, agree. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, just, yeah. All right, so Highwaymen, um, almost maybe higher than it deserves, but I was never bored. Right. So so let's say uh, four for Highwaymen. Uh, okay, so we're getting to the top three. Dun, dun, dun. So, ah, let's not fool around. <laughs> Joyride. Joyride. Uh, Joyride, a, a really nice, solid thriller. Yeah. Um, it, a good good way to spend an evening. Great uh, great characters, great voice work by Ted Levine, um, and an alternate ending if you if you feel so inspired. Right. Uh, breakdown, good solid thriller slash uh, missing person slash revenge yeah. film, very good. And then of course Mad Max, so good. It's yeah. just there's a reason this is a loved movie. Yeah, it is a classic. It, it is, is a classic. It is a classic. Movie. Uh, we're on the same page. But unfortunately, we did not go six we, for six or uh, zero we for six. Uh, we're, we're very close. I don't think we're going to have any fights over it. Okay. It occurred to me as you're going over the list that I, I guess this list of movies, in a lot of ways, was a collection of five average movies and that. The <laughs> most amazing movie, yeah. Um, like, from the bottom of the, or from number six to number one, the range and quality I actually don't think is that different. Uh huh. Uh, like Mad Max is just the you know it was <laughs> yeah. kind of unfair. It's locked. It was it was kind of unfair to include it here <laughs> in Road Rage. What was gonna beat Mad Max in the category <laughs> of Road Rage? No, nope. nothing was gonna nope. do it. So, uh, but I want more movies like this because I like oh. them in premise and I like them in execution. I do, yeah. And they're all of these have the this feeling of almost to them all yeah. you know like yeah. where you can see how this would be an awesome movie <laughs> uh, in number six place I, I agree with you I'm going to put Roadkill like I, I see what's working for the movie I see the good performances I see the good ideas it just doesn't quite close the deal for mm -hmm. me but uh, everybody involved is in the right line of work mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it, it's not so bad as to say it's terrible don't watch it it's just kind of not memorable mm-hmm Particularly, hmm. Highwaymen is maybe the most bland of these movies as oh. far as the story that it's telling. Right. Uh, I put it in fifth place, but when it's on, when we're seeing the stunt work and the car crashes, mm. it delivers in that department. Mm -hmm. You see the trailer for Highwaymen, and you see, oh, that looks like a movie that has a lot of, you know, action, and uh, you know, it's pretty derivative. Right. And it delivers on that. Right. You will forget it as you watch it. Yep. But, you know, it's... <laughs> yeah. In fourth position is where I put the frustrating death proof. Oh. <laughs> uh, I think it's worth it for Kurt Russell. Yeah. And for that car that chase. That car crash. 
Oh, the, the car chase too. The car yeah. chase and the car crash. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But there's so much fat on this pig. Yep. <laughs> there is so much fat on this pig. Yep. And uh, it is sort of Tarantino at his most self-indulgent. <laughs> um, again, it's not awful. I don't think Tarantino's going to make an out-and-out awful movie, mm -hmm. um, but it's definitely weak in his catalog, mm -hmm. and uh, consequently is not making top three. Mm -hmm. I agree with you that Joyride's in third place. Oh, I knew it! I do agree with you that Joyride's in third place. Oh. It's, uh, Again, it's all a bunch of ingredients that we've seen before. It is executed very well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a little bit lower down, and it would be Highwaymen level. But it's yeah. a few points above that, so it's joyride-able. In second place, the overperforming breakdown, which I think is legitimately a very good movie. Mm. I think, you know, it's the best executed uh, of the ones that aren't competing with Mad <laughs> fucking Max. But... Kurt Russell gives a very, very strong performance as this guy who's, you know, a worm being put on a hook. Mm -hmm. Just a, a raw nerve, you know. His wife is being, has been kidnapped, taken from him. And everybody he goes to with help, for help seems to be in on it. And the stakes just keep piling up and piling up. And when he finally starts getting some wins, there are real emotional payoffs in this breakdown movie. Uh, it's the one on the list that I'm guessing most people haven't heard of. But... Ought to, yeah. Seek it out. Ought to see Seek it. it out. It's yeah. completely fucking it's solid. solid. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, and I don't know how much more we can say about Mad Max. Yep. I think <laughs> I, I, I can still taste a little bit of George Miller penis in my mouth. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I really do. I, I do like the Mad Max movies. I, I'm, I'm glad that we're going to enter a new age of them. And, um, yeah, there was no competition in the road rage for Mad Max, mm. unfortunately. But it's an interesting bunch of movies, very, and uh, very. like we said in the introduction, you know, there's a lot of potential for horror when you're driving down those lonesome <sighs> highways, and there's a lot of anger in people driving cars. <laughs> like I, I don't drive, but I see it all the time. <laughs> people go from zero to just fucking furious yep. <laughs> when they're behind the car. Rational people, people I know who have a good, you know, head in their shoulders, act like children when they're in a car. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it's terrifying, or at least has that potential. Two shall pass, kids, and so went the 78th episode of Rank and Review, by in a blur. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that one. Special thanks to Kevin Stiller for coming back. Um, I hope you guys liked it. Please send any feedback you have to rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. And please, uh, just take a visit to uh, the Facebook page, just have a visit to the iTunes page, throw a positive review or a like or a comment. All of these things are helpful and good for my morale. 
This is your host and random Canadian, Larry Parsons, saying thank you so much for listening, and keep on doing it.